When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome everyone into episode three of the Tomahawk Take podcast, our winter meetings recap is what we're going to call this one. And it was a busy winter meeting, and we've got a lot to talk about. As usual, I am your host, Jake Mastriani, and along with me, we have Alan Carpenter and Fred Owens. We're going to be discussing everything that went down at the, the winter meetings and as well as the Braves and they were able to accomplish or not accomplish and what we have to look forward to. So uh, it was a busy and very active winter meetings. We had the top three free agents sign, Garrett Cole, Steven Strasburg, and, and Anthony Rendon. I think in our winter meetings preview, we all kind of predicted if any of them would go in the winter meetings, and I think we were all wrong on that one. I think I, I said that I thought Rendon would go, and I had him go into the Rangers. If you would have given me five teams to pick, I probably would not have picked the Angels, but Rendon goes to the, the Angels, Strasburg goes back to the Nationals, and Garrett Cole goes to the Yankees. So we got the top three free agents off the board. One each day, which seems a little curious. Maybe that's the way MLB tried to plan it out. I don't know. But it uh, seems rather convenient that that's the way that it happened. But it was an exciting winter meetings, uh, active winter meetings. Uh, so, Alan, I'll start with you. What were your overall thoughts on the winter meetings and those three big signings specifically? This was a surprise. Turns out that everybody doing the simulation that we did last month may have been optimistic because we were generally lower than most of these top uh, free agent contracts. I am impressed thoroughly with what uh, Scott Boris did. I'm fearful for baseball that salaries are kind of going out of control here, it seems. And I'm going to be very interested to see in the, over the long term how the Yankees, Nats, and Angels are going to handle these big contracts over the next seven or eight years because that's a lot of money and they're expecting a lot of these guys. So that's that's going to be fun to watch as it unfolds. Yeah, and I'm curious if, you know, this is just a a rare breed of free agents with Strasburg, Cole, and Rendon. They all seem like 
pretty safe plays, maybe with the exception of, of Strasburg with his <laughs> history. But, you know, I, I'm just wondering if that has more to do with it, is that these three agents just seem to be head and shoulders above the rest. Fred, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think maybe they were overpaid a little bit or that's just what it, what the cost is these days? I think it's a little of both. Strasburg was certainly overpaid. He was overpaid because he's the Nationals guy. He came up in 2010 and he was going to be the guy and he took that early extension to stay there. And there was no really surprise that he went back there. I mean, they talked like he was going up someplace else, but he was always going to go back to Washington and they paid him well over what he should have gotten, in my view anyway. Of course, the market determines it. He got what he got. And that's what the market said. But I, I don't think he'd have got that from anybody else. So I, I think that was sort of predetermined. And, and to your point, I think Scott Boris engineered the signings perfectly. He had Dross going back and, hey, here's Garrett Cole. Look what I did. And, oh, by the way, here's Rendon. Evan Grant said this afternoon that Rendon didn't go to the Rangers because the Rangers wouldn't go the extra year. They offered him the same AAV for one year less. And he went to Anaheim, which is a mistake, actually, because he's going to pay more in taxes in California than that extra year earns him. But in any case, that's why he ended up going to the Angels. And I think all the deals were done um, before the before the meetings. I think it was all just a question of let's wait, get there and make the announcements there. How they're going to deal with this down the line. The Nationals have the biggest problem because they have this all this deferred money that's going to come due at some point in time. And these players are all going to be old, and they still haven't replaced Rendon. Maybe Keyboom is the guy that does that for them. If the Yankees don't dump J.A. Happ somewhere, they're going to bust $250 million, and apparently Hal Steinbrenner doesn't care. They're ridiculously rich, so maybe they don't care about giving away the money and the draft picks and things. But it is going to be fun to see how it shakes out, considering it's not going to be us shaking it out. We've seen it happen before. The Angels knee-jerked into Rendon, I think. Uh, I think they were always on the board for him. And, you know, the deals were, it was either going to be, there's going to be the Rangers, the Angels, and was, you know, was this, that, and the other. And then when Eric Cole went, they said, okay, we'll give him the extra year. That extra year did it, and, he, and Boris got he won. He knew one of the teams was going to give him the extra year when Cole went, and, and that was that's what happened, or that's what he thought would happen. He made about $50 million over those three days. Someone pointed out he had a good overhead, too. So that's that's the case. I think it's going to be fun. I, I don't think it's necessarily great for baseball but i do think it's fun yeah and specifically uh, let's just go ahead and get into rendon because I, I think him going to the angels was possibly the the worst scenario for the braves in particular because they weren't really a team that was viewed as somebody who needed a third baseman and then they went out and got the best one on the market and so that just makes third base resources even more limited for the braves and others think it just increases the Donaldson market even more and perhaps that was going to be the case anyway whenever Rendon signed but there's a report today uh, that I saw and I can't remember who it was that he already has multiple four-year offers on the table and and so I think it's going to be a lot of heavy bidding on Donaldson so uh, Alan to go back to you what are your kind of thoughts on the, the Donaldson market now and how that's been impacted? Well, one thing that's an observation from the other signings, uh, we all were expecting that Rendon was going to go to Texas because that's where he's from. Didn't happen. We all expected that Strasburg, if he did leave the Nationals, would go to San Diego. Well, didn't do that. He stayed. He did stay in, in Washington, so that was somewhat expected, I guess. We also expected that Cole was going to stay out west, but no, he went to the Yankees. 
location doesn't really seem to matter right now. It's the dollars these players are chasing. Josh Donaldson may be from South Alabama. That may not uh, hold any water at all. Everything we've been hearing is that he prefers the Braves, but they have not certainly separated themselves from the pack. And it does sound like it's it's come down to a dogfight. We're basically waiting for somebody to add the extra million or, heaven forbid, an extra year to go to a fifth year. I don't know why we haven't seen a signing yet because the market seems to be set. But at the moment, like I say, I don't think we've got a separator yet. And the... The clock keeps ticking, but it's it's all on Donaldson's control at this point. I think we see Donaldson go for the weekends over, like you said. I, I think the market's set. The teams, we know which teams are in play. It's just who's going to outbid the other. So, uh, Fred, what, how high do you think this bid gets for Donaldson, and do you see the Braves meeting it? I'm I'm not sure how many teams are still in this. Okay, I, I understand that I heard Jim Bowden say that, but I don't believe anything Jim Bowden says. The Rangers are backing off of him apparently because they don't want to go to the fourth year or they don't want to go to that same AAV in four years. In other words, they may give him 20 for four years, but they don't want to give him 25 for four years or something like that. Evan Grant seems pretty sure that they're not there. I heard the SNY New York guy this afternoon talking about the Phillies, and he said he thinks that heavy lifting is done for the Phillies except for bullpen pitching. That takes them pretty well out of the loop if that's true. That leaves really the Nationals and the Braves. If the Nationals are going to sign him, they may try to defer money. If they do that, he says no one walks away because he's not going to take any deferred money. I'm not sure that they can afford Well, I mean, I guess the learners can afford anything they really want to afford. But the question is whether they can afford to dump 25 mil on him and lose for four years and lose the draft picks. Because right now, their 25 million would sort of put them about 211 million just over the limit. They could probably do that, and they're probably clear the next year. Uh, well, they're already 109 million next year, so they're they can probably do it. But if it, they try to defer money on him, they do have Soto to extend and Trey Turner to extend, and they're going to have to add some players and pay some players. I'm not sure they want to go there, but if they do, 25 and four is probably all they're going to do. If they give him five, then they can really that they they're they're probably getting. Because I don't think the Braves will go five. Uh, But I don't think there's more than two teams in it right now. Who else is in it? The Phillies are going to move Kingery to third and use Segura at second and play Didi at short. The Rangers say, I'm just not going that far on Donaldson. Then who's left? You know, again, I don't think it's that big a market. I think it'll shake out pretty soon. I think the answer to your question is the Twins, maybe, but the Dodgers almost for certain. I'm not sure what he does for the Dodgers, okay? I mean, okay, so they move, they put him there, and then they put Turner at first base. That makes Muncie go to second base. I'm not sure that that does a lot for the right side of their infield. Yeah, I think they they still got to get a part moved out of there, whether it's Turner or somebody else. It, it still looks awkward, but apparently they want to get somebody, and Donaldson's the current target, I think. Well, yeah, I understand that, but I, I again, I don't see. Maybe he's a fit, but I mean. So percentage chance, or or maybe that's not the best way to do it, but so I, it sounds like you feel pretty confident that the Braves are still the front runner to sign Donaldson. Would that be correct, Fred? I don't know if they're front runners, but I think they're right there. I don't think 
this is picking fly eyelashes out of black pepper here. The team that wants that wants him bad enough, if the Dodgers want him, they've got the money to go out and give him the fifth year and swallow the money and not worry about it. And quite frankly, Friedman has to do something. He's been to the well and he's been to the well, and he's turning into the Buffalo Bills or the, the, the <laughs> 90s Braves. He gets there, and he doesn't win. And the fan base is getting raucous. So if if he really wants Donaldson, he can have him. If I was Friedman and had that kind of money, I'd be in Cleveland just offering him all kinds of money to for Kluber and Lindor, and I'd put him out there, and I'd win the West, and I'd go to the World Series. I'd take the Yankees. But I don't think I don't think Donaldson does that for him. I Donaldson does a lot for the team. He's the guy who adds fire to the Braves. I'm not sure the Dodgers need that. Maybe they do. Maybe he. Maybe they're willing to do that for him. I. I mean, it doesn't look right to me, which probably means he'll sign there tomorrow. But I just that's the way I see it. The other, I think it's pretty well dead. I don't think he's going to Minnesota, because I don't think he thinks Minnesota's going to win. Right. He wants to win. So I, I, I think Minnesota's maybe there, but I don't think they're a going to overpay, and I don't think he wants to play there. I have a theory. That's theory always dangerous. Thing. Yes, it is very dangerous, and I'm, I'm going to say it out loud while I'm thinking it, which is even more dangerous. I think that the Dodgers may be the ones that are after Lindor the heaviest, for sure, and they may have told Donaldson's camp, hang on a couple of days, let's see if we can work this out. If we can't, we'll come back to you. That's true. I mean, if they can get Lindor, then they're going to move Seager to second base, and and they'll you know they can play Muncie at first, and the lineup is going to be really really nasty. Yes. Um, so yeah, it would be. But they still, I still think they need a pitcher, and I don't know whether that's Bumgarner or they go get Kluber or they make some other addition, bring Ryu back. But right now, it's Bueller and Kershaw and. Uh, who it, you know Bueller and Kershaw on pray for rain in Southern California I don't know <laughs> they need the pitcher and the player so they'll circle back to Ryu sign him back get Lindor then they're all set other than maybe another reliever so well they signed Trinan today they, they, they just got Trinan but he he's one in addition to Jansen and we still don't know how how he's going to be this next year yeah, that's true. I think there's talk of Bumgarner going there. I'm not sure he fits that well, but maybe. I, yeah, again, if the Dodgers want this, they're like the Yankees in this in this context. They can pay the money and swallow the penalty for it and not be hurt because their system is deep and they have pockets that are equally deep. When you have that, you're really able to paper over your mistakes. You're able to paper over Pablo Sandoval signing for $100 million dollars and then turning into Mendoza. You're able to hide those things with money. That's what money does for you. And the Dodgers and the Yankees have boatloads of money. So, yes, they can do it if they want to. I'm not sure Friedman wants to throw money around like that. Yeah, I do think that there is a pecking order that's kind of just waiting to play out here. But if they do get Lindor, the Rangers are going to end up being left high and dry. I don't know that Donaldson really wanted to go there to another artificial surface after what his experience was in Toronto, even if it is a new improved kind of technology, but that's another story that may leave the Braves with Donaldson. It may leave the nationals with who they might prefer, which is Chris Bryant or someone else. The Cardinals may be in on the bidding too. They could certainly use a third baseman but we haven't heard anything about their association with Donaldson whatsoever at this point. Things could be lining up in that that way. 
Now, why hasn't he made a choice and signed at this point if the Braves are essentially the only ones really in? It could be that uh, Alex Anthopoulos is trying to save a couple of bucks here and trying not to go the $25 million by four that we keep hearing from others. They may be trying to go 23 or 24 or something a little less. He's kind of holding out to see, see if anybody else wants to jump in at that $100 million mark. I was just going to say that when the Yankees decided they wanted Cole, what did they do? They put the whole front office on a jet, they flew to California, and they said, here's a check, fill in your number. They yeah. they, they sold him on New York City, they sold him on the area there, and they said, hey, look, when you're making $300 million, every bed is really good to sleep in. <laughs> so they can do that. The Dodgers can do the same thing. They can get take Donaldson. They can make him feel happy in L.A. They can pay him enough money that the 22% increase in his taxes out there won't bother him at all. And uh, they can they can sell him L.A. just the way the Yankees sold Cole New York. I don't see anybody flying to Mobile to go off, go and check on him, though, right now. Well, I haven't yet. And the other thing is I've heard some people say that they aren't. They don't think, Don, I mean, I think that's stupid because I think Donaldson's one of the top five in the game at third base, and I think he will be for four or five years. I don't see him going bad in four or five years. Four-year contract has never bothered me for Donaldson. Third baseman age a lot better than their players across the diamond. Again, this is the something that if the Dodgers want him, they just write the check. Correct. And and we're all out of this. this the, all, all us little peons, we, we don't play in that game. I think we've covered that uh, plenty at this point, and I know we have a lot on the, the site as well about Donaldson in the third base market. But let's just wrap up the winter meetings conversation as a whole, and then we'll get into the Braves discussion. Was there anything from the winter meetings that surprised you or that you just didn't see coming? I, one thing I saw was the Josh Hader becoming available. I didn't see that coming. I don't know how serious that is, but... Uh, was there anything else beside that that really surprised you during the winter meetings? The Carlos Correa Astros listening on Correa. The Astros are in a, sort of the same problem as the Red Sox. They're up against this. They don't want to go over $228 million. Um, their roster is really close to that now, and they need to make some space, and they found out that Bregman's a better player. So they're willing to trade Correa for the right money. Now, they're not going to give him away any more than the Indians are going to give Lindor away. But that would surprise me more than Hater because the Brewers have to sell to stay alive. The the Astros have money, but they just don't want to go over that 228, and that was the biggest shock to me. There's a lot of guys that seem to become available right now. Mookie Betts, of course, they can't get rid of in Boston because he's not there for a long enough period of time. Correa becoming available was a surprise. Lindor becoming available is not a surprise. Uh, Nolan Arenado becoming available is a surprise, but I don't think they're going to be able to get rid of him either just because of the contract and, and the way it's structured, in, including the opt-out that he's gotten another year or so. That one surprised me in particular because it's like, well, okay, why did you sign him to this deal one year ago and now you want to get rid of him? Yeah, I understand you had a bad year, but you need to build around him. You don't need to just dump him that's kind of strange so i don't understand what colorado is doing with that at all but i also don't think they're going to get a taker simply because there's not going to be able to, to be enough either prospects back or cash coming to whoever wants him to be able to make that contract a uh, tradable one never mind that he's got a no trade clause so you've got that kind of thing going on in the background but at the same time those are all trade things 
and there are precious few trades this week. In, in addition to the fact that there's these huge signings, I, it did not surprise me that the free agents are going to go first because those are easy. You could throw money at somebody and, and you can get somebody to sign. That's that's the way those things work. Trades work a whole different dynamic. And I still think that what we're seeing and what we're going to see is that trades are going to be very expensive between the haves and the have-nots. The haves those teams that are actually going out and spending the money, signing these free agents, are the teams that are wanting wanting to compete in 2020 and 2021 or so. The have-nots are these bottom feeder teams, the Tigers, the Orioles, the, the Kansas City Royals, all those kinds of clubs that have some assets that they want to dump on the market and see if they can get their rebuilds going. It's it's kind of bad for baseball because you don't have balance in the system. You've got a lot of teams that are going to win 100 games. You've got to have a lot of teams that are going to lose 100 games. There's not much of a happy medium going on there. You're going to have a bunch of teams that end up spending next to $200 million plus in, in their on their payroll. They're going to be held up only, it seems, by that luxury tax threshold. And you got a whole bunch of teams that are going to be way under 100. And I, I don't know that I like that in, in the game. And I don't think it's healthy for the game. You really need a good cycle of teams coming in and out of this competitive window. And I, right now, I just don't see that. So that's the thing that, that concerns me. But I don't know that the progress of things surprised me, other than the volume of the contracts and the speed of which they got done, despite the fact that Scott Boris is around. The Arenado thing doesn't surprise me. He has an opt-out after two years, and he wants to win. He's told them he wants to win. He's essentially, look at it like he's going to walk in two years. Ignore the rest of his contract. He's going to walk in two years. Is he so really going to walk away from $35 Because that's what his contract's valued at in, the, in those out years. $35 he'll get million it, he'll year. get it. He'll get it back. Because well, he's that I, good. I got to admit, you're probably right, given what happened this week. <laughs> so that that's why he's available in theory. That's why Correa is available in theory, because they have two years left, and then they're going to be walk years, theoretically, or could be walk years. That's why they're going. Uh, our old friend Kevin Gosman signed for, for $9 million. That may have been the biggest shocker of the, the winter meetings to me. But although he's a good bounce-back candidate, then he gets to play in San Francisco in a hitter's-friendly park, so maybe he bounces back there. But the fact that he got $9 million just was a bit astounding to me. And, and given the budget consciousness, in theory, of the Giants, I'm surprised that they're the ones who gave him the $9 million. Yeah. Well, they took $15 million on Cozart. They did, and that they got, the, they got a prospect for him, but they bought the prospect with him. Yeah, but uh, here I thought the Giants were trying to save some money, and here they went off and did that, and then now they're talking to Bumgarner, and they, they were talking to some uh, some guys like Cole. It's like, wow, where who are these guys? <laughs> where yeah. are they printing the money? Well, the Giants only got 150 million on the books. Okay. I, I admit I thought they were over the luxury tax, or at least right up against it. No, they're uh, pl- for players. They're like 149 when you add everything on. It's about 155. Yeah, I'll admit I I wrote uh, with our friends over at Around the Boghorn for a while there, and I for years now I have no idea what the Giants are doing over there, and I'm not <laughs> sure they know what they're doing either. But um, but that did did surprise me, and and I forgot they took on the Cozart contract as well. Although they got a pretty good prospect 
attached with them, as you said, Fred. That's essentially what the Braves did a few years ago. They took contracts. Uh, they took on the, all those dead contracts to get prospects. And, and I'm sure they're hoping that Gosman does bounce back and they flip him at the deadline for another prospect and save maybe half of that contract or close to it. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, and good luck to Kevin Gosman on that too. But since the music's playing right now, we're going to go ahead and take a break and then come around on back. Let's transition now to talking about the Braves. They obviously didn't get anything done at the winter meetings, although they did bring back Rafael Ortega on a minor league deal. But uh, that was really all that Antopoulos was able to get done at the winter meetings, which is not not a surprise. He got a lot of work done, obviously, earlier in the offseason. And I think he's just waiting on the rest of the free agents to fall. And I I think that the rest is going to be in uh, the trade realm from here on out. Fred, I'll go to you first on this one. What were your thoughts on the Braves at the winter meetings and just how everything played out for them? I'm not sure what we expected. Most of the Braves' free agent heavy lifting is done except for Donaldson. So if you didn't expect Donaldson to sign, and I didn't, so what he was doing there is if you listen to him talk in his interviews and things, he implied that everybody was wanting way too much. They weren't really willing to negotiate in trades. In the old days, uh, the um, if you read Built to Win or, or Scouts on it, all those books talk about how the trades went down in the old days. Uh, they sat in, in two suites across from each other, and they went back and forth until a trade was made at the meetings. Today, they don't do that. This is a process. They start by their texts, and at the meeting, they get together and talk. But the, the trades are going to come after the free agents fall out, and really most of us believe, or at least I think most of us on the, here believe, that trades are going to be important to fill the remaining gaps for the Braves. If Donaldson signs, then they want an outfield bat, then they're going to trade for it. Any pitcher they get now is almost certainly going to be some kind of a trade. I wasn't surprised by it. What he said in his, in his comments was clearly that he was talking to everybody and nobody really wanted to deal. That's what I heard him say there, and it doesn't surprise me because he's never been a big meetings guy anyway. He goes to the meetings to talk and do those things. So th- this is sort of what I expected from, from him and the Braves. I never really expected a big thing, but uh, I think he laid a lot of groundwork here. He knows now what Team A wants for this guy and Team B wants for that guy, and he has an idea of where he can go to fill gaps. Alan, just your thought, overall thoughts from the Braves at the winter meetings, some of the names that they were linked with. Uh, did anything surprise you? The Azuna name keeps coming up, and I don't I don't know why. They checked in on Rendon, apparently, trying to go back through. I, I don't know who else they were really linked to during the winter meetings, but were you surprised at all of the, the lack of movement from the Braves at the winter meetings? They're in a wait mode. Uh, this is clearly a matter of hanging around till Josh Donaldson makes a decision. At the same time, I heard Anthopolis talk about the idea of having plans B, C, D, and E all lined up, or at least trying to get them lined up, so that when he makes the decision, if it's not the one they want, then they have at least a pivot point. We've heard the Nationals doing the same thing. Apparently, Chris Bryant is one of their choices, and in fact, they may be considering to 
take him more than they are considering uh, Josh Donaldson. It, it, at least that's a possibility. The fact that uh, there hasn't been a lot of movement is simply a function of, of the way things are going nowadays. Teams don't want to give up their prospects. Teams want to try and spend money to solve their problems, if at all possible, simply because it's easier. I think even the preference is to overspend rather than do these trades. It's going to be another week or so, I believe, before we get through with enough critical mass of free agents so that the only thing left in terms of quality really is the trade market. There is a point at which once you get down a few letters in the alphabet in your plans that Anthopolis will circle back and say, okay, nothing's better than a platoon of Camargo and Riley. That's essentially what his base plan is. And if he can do better than that, he'll do better than that. Right now, that's the final fallback position because it's something he controls. He continues to use the word certainty and clarity when he's describing the third base position. Really, it's not so much third base as it is needing a middle-of-the-order bat because that's the production that's associated with the guy that we lost, and that's the idea of what we need to replace. I do think that there's a danger that if the Nationals do end up with Donaldson, then it's a sort of a two-for-one thing against the Braves and that not only do they not have Donaldson's production, but then the Nationals do in, in, instead. The, the Braves need to replace that in their order. Otherwise, I think it's going to be a long summer next year. Anthopolis went and did everything he could do and that he seemed to have the power to do in November and early December uh, with the early signings. He is now faced with having to wait and, and to be patient and, and see how others uh, react, how, how other teams are reacting, how other free agents are acting. Unfortunately, not something that we're willing to be patient for as fans. <laughs> we want to see it all done yesterday, but that that's where we're at. So let's talk about those plan B, C, and D. And, and Fred, I'll start with you first. So if Jonathan does go to the Nationals or goes somewhere else, um, what are a couple of your top options to, to fill that void? Because something has to get done in the lineup. You can't just lose Donaldson and not replace that production, in my opinion, whether it's at third base or outfield. I feel like they have to do something. So what are your next best options? We're talking about a big bat. We're talking about someone uh, who's going to hit 30, okay? Because 20 home run bats, you can put 21, 20 home run bats a couple of places. But you need somebody that they don't want to pitch to, or they want to pitch to not a lot worse than they do Freddie, because, and preferably right-handed. So that's certainly an outfield bat at this point, like Mancini, perhaps, from, from Baltimore, or maybe Starling Marte, uh, and you put him in left field. He's 25-plus homers or something like that. If you do that, you still have a problem at third base because you don't know that Riley and Camargo together are going to hit their weight. Honestly, and I love Camargo since it came up, but he fell completely off rails last year. And if he doesn't come back this year and you're leaning on him and Riley's still swinging at everything that comes within three inches of the plate on the outside, then you've got a problem there. You've got a black hole, effectively another pitcher spot in the lineup, and you have to fill that too. So you look at somebody that can play third and give you some pop. There are third basemen out there that you could attempt to trade for, like Escobar out of, out of Arizona, who's got a couple of years left. He's turning 30. It's a good time for Arizona to move him on. 
and there's probably a trade to be made there. You may be able to pry somebody from uh, Dozier from Kansas City and give him to Wash to teach how to play third base or, uh, you know, overpay for somebody else. Uh, one of the, the free agent that, that's out there that nobody's talked about because we don't, I don't really know how healthy he is yet is uh, Jed Jerko, uh, who was probably one of the best third basemen in, in the league from 2016 through 2018, and then he hurt his back. Probably would have been better, have better numbers had they not had the Cardinals had a first baseman instead of Matt Carpenter. He's still out there. If he's healthy, he's possible. I guess I guess you could talk about Frazier, but I really think Tom Frazier's a bench player at this point in his career. I heard some discussion somewhere about um, Stanton being excess to the Yankees, and they would willingly take some contract to move him out. Okay, he's got a no trade clause and an opt out. If the Braves could get a deal with the Yankees where Stanton would agree to waive his no trade and move his opt-out forward two years so that the Braves got two years of the player, then I don't see anything wrong with making that kind of deal. Kyle Seeger from Seattle, he's expensive for Seattle, and they would move him probably for payroll and a prospect. You know, Seager's pretty good third baseman still. You can plug him in. You need to get somebody in the outfield, I think, that's a right-handed bat, and then fill third base from one of the options, uh, Seager or or one of the trades, or maybe Jerko or, or somebody like that. Because you're not going to get, I don't think, a third baseman to put in the number four hole unless it's Donaldson. Uh, Alan, any of those names interest you at all? Well, they, they all do, but I could sort of throw, well, I can't throw a blanket over all of them and say they're all equal because they are not all equal. Uh, Stanton certainly would be thunder in the lineup if he's healthy. His contract does scare me a bit in that it runs through 2027, and there's a whole lot of it still remaining because it was a lot backloaded. It was essentially the poison pill that Jeffrey Loria set up while he was at Miami. But yes, I, I do think he would be available because Yankee fans would escort him out of town if they could find a trading partner. They are not not enamored with him, and the Yankees certainly have enough outfielders that they can cover for that. Yeah, that that might be an option if they can get it paid down a bit. I don't know for how long, whether it would be uh, paid down for the entire duration or just through the opt-out or or what have you. But, I mean, if he performed well for you, then, yeah, he opts out and and he's gone and, and you don't have to worry about it after the second year or so. I'll throw this out just because I heard it today from Alex Anthopoulos in an interview on MLB Network Radio, and that was about Camargo. Uh, suggesting that when he went to AAA, he essentially revamped his swing almost entirely. It's like a, he's a new guy and and was uh, showing some good promise in terms of how he was producing down there as a result. I don't know anything more than what he said there. I only have what he said to go on there. In 14 games, which isn't too many, he was hitting 483. Yeah, that sounds really good, but obviously small sample size warning there. So, yeah, perhaps he might be a new guy, and that might be giving Anthopolis some hesitation in terms of how he's approaching this market. Right now, I got to think that your your best bet is the known quantities at the major league level. You do have a few choices. The one I'll throw in that uh, Fred didn't mention is something that he's mentioned before, we've mentioned before, is Jose Ramirez at Cleveland. He's going to be very tough to trade for because he's under team control. He's he's a stud at third base, and he's a, the kind of guy you'd like to build around in Cleveland. 
except if they do pull off what they need to do in Cleveland, which is to trade Francisco Lindor, then there goes a, a considerable amount of your offense. And I do think that they should take the opportunity to also then get prospects for Ramirez and essentially do an in-place rebuild. The Braves could provide them with near major league ready pitching quickly. They could provide them with uh, perhaps a couple of position players like maybe a Camargo because he would then be blocked. I do think that there's an opportunity there. I don't know that they're going to be like giving away or shopping him by any stretch of imagination. But if you're faced with trying to get somebody there who's got some pop, who's got some defensive skills, then he'd be a good one to go after. And everybody else that Fred mentioned, because Fred does a good job at this. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're both right there. And I like some of those names. And I think we forget that Camargo was over three war player just a couple of years ago. And, you know, and if Antopoulos is right about that and, and he has made the adjustment, then perhaps he is that guy. And you could take a three war player there and, and trade or, or sign an outfield bat. That's going to be a, a four or five war player. And um, you can, you can win with that. Certainly um, interesting that neither of you mentioned the big name out there that every Braves fan has mentioned, and that's Chris Bryant. So I'll, I'll take that to mean that neither of you think that that's possible. I don't, the Cubs, the, uh, the word I saw, I read in two or three places that the Cubs want the moon and the stars for Chris Bryant, and they're not going to move him unless they get that, which means the Braves aren't going to give him that. And I don't, I'm not sure who does. Maybe the Nationals, see the problem with the Nationals giving him that is their farm system's pretty well not very strong anymore. If they're saying that, then they're trying to trade him to the Dodgers. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I laughed when they when I heard that they were connected to the Nats because I think they have one prospect in the top 100 and he's penciled in to be their second baseman next year. So that that makes no sense to me. Well, the I'm only sure. name I've heard associated with the Nationals is and and, and Chris Bryant was uh, Victor Robles, which ain't gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, that's not gonna happen. I just saw uh, just popped up actually uh, from Rosenthal that uh, Seager is suddenly becoming hotter on the market. Seager would be an option for teams that miss out on Rendon and Johnson, and they would the, the Mariners would send a package with him to uh, make the trade, and that Seager would be willing to give up that uh, player's option for the third year just to get out of there and get into a place where he could win. This is, I mean, I'm paraphrasing the article in The Athletic now, um, but... Um, uh, he carries a high, he carries more value than Cozart. And this is the, what he's doing, essentially saying that the Giants deal with Cozart and that prospect could be taken by somebody like the Braves. We'll take Seager and your prospect and we'll give you a guy because that's what essentially what happened. So we give them Camargo I, for, for a name off the top of my head or maybe Wilson or somebody, just a guy. And we take Seager's contract and we get a, we get a prospect from them along with it. I take Hanniger. We're talking prospect, not, I mean, they're, we're not talking their major league guy. They've got a couple of prospects that are okay uh, that, that they could do in there, that they could slip. But I'm just reading or reading from Rosenthal's piece in The Athletic. Uh, it just popped up on my screen here while we're doing this. And, you know, the idea that he could renegotiate out of that poison pill, that is, as Rosenthal calls it, in, to, in 2023 makes him a really valuable asset now that the third base market is 
like it is. And we all know Jerry DePoto hasn't made a trade in about two weeks, so he's got to be having withdrawal symptoms. <laughs> yeah. Now, that let, let, well, let's talk about that. This poison pill that he's talking about is a $15 million club option for 2022. Player so option. Not, player uh, option. Well, it, it's a club option that becomes a player option if he's traded. Yeah. yeah that's the interesting clause. That's a brilliant negotiation point that uh, – I don't know. Is he another Boris client? Probably. The but fifteen million dollars in this day and age is not that big a pill to swallow if he is a useful piece. He hasn't been the last couple of years. Like his However, back came back last year. Yeah, and and I I think he could come back and and be that guy again. You'd have to be sure of it. But then that's also why I want Hanegers because I want some insurance that I'm going to get the kind of offense and, and production uh, around the diamond that, that I'm looking for if I try to take on this kind of thing. But uh, it's he's a, with Jet Sports, Jet Sports Management. Okay. <laughs> well, either way, it's, it was a brilliant uh, idea on their part. But the, the idea here is that would make it a much, much bigger tr- trade deal if you're trying to do uh, both those major league pieces because then it becomes blockbuster material, and that's much more difficult to do. Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're asking for Hanniger in this, uh, then you're sort of – you almost kill the deal with that because the they want they, – they believe Hanniger is going to come back, and they believe they're going to get you know multiple prospects back for him. It, it, the idea of taking uh, a prospect from the from the Mariners and and his contract and no money to get him out of there, and we're talking about well, okay, we'll give you some people, but we got to get Hanninger back too. All of a sudden, it becomes well, we got to give you two people, maybe I don't know, uh, Riley and Wilson or Riley and Wright or somebody like that to make up that difference. And the question becomes, how much do they want for that? Uh, and certainly, you know, to get Hanniger, if Hanniger is what he was last year and the third baseman, that solves our problems if the price is right. And if I were doing it, I would ask for those things. And the reason is because I don't know that I trust Seeger to be the guy that I need him to be. If if he's not going to be any better than Camargo, then why do the deal at all? Well, and he's a better third baseman than Camargo. I'm, I, he, you know, I'm, he may be a better he may be a better defensive uh, asset, but he's certainly not uh, proven or a provably better offensive asset, and that's what we need even more than the defense. I think. Yeah, that's true. I, I think that Seattle sucks the offense out of people. I mean, look what happened to Adrian Beltre. Mm. Well, and, if that and Robinson Cano and and you know you look at look at the free agents who went up there and and and, and died. You know, I mean, I mean, their their career went really bad up there. Most of the free agents go up there don't hit. Interesting. Yeah, it's like the pitchers who go to Pittsburgh and can't pitch. Yeah, and, and pitch well elsewhere. All right, so let's uh let's wrap this up um, real quick. Kind of take some final thoughts. When do you think Donaldson's going to sign, and uh, what do you think the next steps are for the Braves? Do you think it's one big signing? Do you think it's multiple? moves uh what do you think is left for Antopolis and the Braves and Fred I'll, I'll start with you well I said a couple of times I think that it, you know there's going to be a trade if, if Donaldson doesn't come there then it's going to be a trade and he's going to try to get a twofer because we need we need somebody who's going to swallow innings and I did some look at who's left out there that can swallow innings and uh, the answer is you know not 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 many on the free agent market 
um, you know, sort of Brett Anderson guys. And you're talking, then you're talking about somebody like Lucchese out of San Diego or Musgrove out of Pittsburgh or somebody like that. Who's going to give you a 200 innings and a three, eight ERA and take the ball every fifth day and, and, you know, win more games than, than you think he's going to win. So you're looking for that kind of guy and you're, you're looking for the, the, the big bat to fill the outfield. And it just seems like if you can get two of them in one place, it's, it's better for you. Uh, that's why Allen's idea of getting Hanniger and, and Seager together works so well. I, th- I think it's going to be a trade if Donaldson doesn't sign, and I think it'll happen the first couple weeks in January for that. Donaldson's going to sign before Christmas, I think, and that will mean that the first couple weeks in January you're going to start seeing outfielders move and the next tier of pitchers and infielders and, and people like that move. So we're going to do that Christmas, everybody, follow la 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 uh, happy Hanukkah, Rosh, whatever. And then the first of the year, you're going to start seeing uh, the, the remaining free agents and the trade market open up. So, Alan, do you think the Braves have one move left in them, three moves left in them? What do you see going forward? One serious move, and that's third base, of course, or the outfield, whichever that is. Yes, I agree that uh, Donaldson should be off the market within the next couple of days, perhaps before Monday. I'd say even almost certainly before Monday. You've only got one more full business week of baseball before everybody really starts shutting down for the holidays. And so that means that roughly between the 22nd and probably January 4th or 5th, nothing's going to happen. There might be occasionally some phone calls, but no serious business is going to get done. Then the trades will probably open up then around January 5th or and 6th and, and start working towards uh, uh, the end of the month. And I think there's going to be a flurry of trade activity o- across baseball in that time period, as well as the straggler free agents that will be signing in there as well. As far as Braves go, I don't think they're going to do anything more with pitching until perhaps the trade deadline next season to take a page out of what they did this this 2019 season and, and getting Keiko in the middle of summer. I think they'll probably do something like that if they need to in a starting pitcher at that point. But they'll probably go ahead and, and go with what they've got already lined up at this point uh, otherwise. I don't think the budget's going to allow for anything else in terms of starting pitching anyway. So and then there'll be a committee that forms the fifth order between Wright and Newcomb and whoever else uh, steps up in spring training. I, I think that we're going to go with the rotation we got. We'll figure out the third base situation or the corner outfield position, whatever it is. And that may be essentially wrapped up by Christmas if Josh Donaldson cooperates. <laughs> Yeah, I think the Braves personally, and you all know my feelings on this. I think they're three moves away from being World Series contenders. I think they, I think they need to field third base and field corner outfield, and I think they're still another at least middle of the rotation pitcher away. I'd hate to go into the season wishing and hoping that Freed and, and Fulty become that top of the rotation guy. But I'm kind of with both of you. I think there's one more big move left in them. And then I think they get a veteran starting pitcher as insurance, debt, somebody that can eat innings uh, to kind of protect the young guys. And I think that may be all that we see the rest of, of the winter. Uh, and that's still a good team. And, and they've still, and Thompson still made some good moves this offseason. And obviously the Braves, you know, will be competitive again next year. And then we'll see what happens during the season. And obviously you can make moves then. I know we wrote an article earlier this week about possibly waiting to get that, that frontline starting pitcher during the season. And I think that's certainly possible. 
So that'll do it for this episode of Tomahawk Take. I appreciate everybody listening. Uh, We are uh, available on iTunes now, so make sure that you go there and subscribe to the Tomahawk Take channel. Uh, We appreciate all the listeners and and all the support. Uh, We've already gotten a lot of great feedback from the podcast, so please continue to uh, give us any feedback that that you can. Uh, Let us know how we can uh, improve this podcast for you guys going forward. So uh, with that, I'll sign off, and you'll have a great rest of your day. This 2019 edition of the Tomahawk Take podcast is a production of TomahawkTake.com and Fansided LLC. Opinions expressed on the show today, while usually wrong, are strictly those of the participants. All rights reserved. Music used today comes to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0 and feature selections today by Kevin McLeod entitled Open Those Bright Eyes, Continue Life, and Amazing Plan. His works are featured at filmmusic.io and via his own website at incompetech.com. Thanks for listening today. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more, right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20.